0: Hi, welcome to Content Kettle. This podcast is all about marketing, where we'll be speaking with CEOs and founders of brands across the globe and marketers who roll up their sleeves to get their businesses out there and turn them into a success. With each having taken a different part to grow their business, they have what we call actual actionables on marketing and they're spilling the tea with us, or maybe even having one. I'm Manishika, the founder of Contentify, a content marketing agency that works with startups to help them establish their presence online. I'll be hosting this podcast with my team to bring you only real marketing tips from those who've done it all. Feel free to reach out to us at any given time if you have more questions or would like to learn more about a specific tactic. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, Nithika. Welcome to Content Kettle. I am really excited to have you join us today.
1: Hey, hi, Vani. How are you? I am. Uh, I am also super excited to uh, be with you. I think this is my first podcast that I'll be doing.
0: Well, lovely, good start then. To the listeners here, Nitika, who is the founder of a brand that promotes sustainable living, One Earth, and I are actually college batchmates. We did our engineering together, but eventually followed through with what we were really passionate about, and well. I would say no regrets. We haven't been able to catch up for a few years. So I thought this podcast was the best way to commit ourselves to stay in touch. So let's just get right into it. For those who haven't heard of One Earth yet, Tintika, would you like to tell us a little
1: about your brand? Sure. So One Earth is a one stop eco shop that we've created and the 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 goal for us is to have all the eco-friendly and sustainable earth-friendly plastic alternatives at a single platform, because I feel that there is a gap between the customer, what the, what the customers are looking for, and the availability of these kinds of products at a single platform. So that's, that's what we're trying to bridge here with One Earth.
0: That's interesting. Out of curiosity, what is it that made you start One Earth? I mean, was it your own zeal to be living sustainably, or was it inspired by some other brand?
1: So, uh, I have, uh, you know, I have always been, uh, you know, a kind of a nature person, be it uh, uh, in in my daily life also and in, uh, you know, the way I was living my life. So, reusing and recycling products is, is has been my hobby, you know. So, uh, you know, when I look around myself and I realize that there are so many, uh, you know, plastic things that we use in our daily life which can actually be replaced with, more earth-friendly and eco-friendly products. So why not? So I used my first uh, bamboo toothbrush around six six years back. And since then, I've been making small changes in my daily life, which which I feel are uh, not very difficult. But then, you know, if, if many people together make these kind of small changes, we can definitely have a bigger impact. So I decided to, why not, you know, uh, what changes I am getting in my life, why not have these uh, available to people uh, through an online platform. So that's the reason and that's the uh, you know story behind why we started One Earth.
0: So it essentially stems from your own desire to live more sustainably, right?
1: Yes, and affordably and, you know, stress, you know, without a lot of, uh, you know, stress of, you know, trying to live a zero-waste life, what people call these days. Uh, we, we don't want to make it very stressful for people because when I see these days on social media, I, you know, people who are following a zero-waste life, they make it very complicated. They make it very difficult. And sometimes when somebody wants to start this kind of a lifestyle, I feel it's very difficult for them to, because they think that it has to happen overnight, you know. One day you sleep and the next morning you get up and you are like, oh, I'll live a zero-waste life. That's, that's something which is uh, which is not possible and that's, what, that's not what we have to do or achieve. So um, what I believe is that we don't want five zero-waste people, you know, but we want millions of people who are following a low-waste lifestyle instead of a zero-waste lifestyle. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because sustainable living has become, let's say, the talk of the town. But I feel that a lot of us are very disconnected from what it really means. I would actually like to get your take on what sustainable living actually does mean.
1: So see, uh, it it is not a rocket science, and it is it is not it 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 is not supposed to be so complicated in our daily life. And uh, if somebody decides to live such a lifestyle, it is very easy. You know, the first most important thing is changing our mindset, which you know, and we begin slowly. So, like for example, there's a sale going on, and you feel, oh my god, there's a sale! I need to buy something. So first we need to think that, you know, do I really need something from this sale, or is it just that I'm being impulsive and just because I'm seeing that I can save a few bucks and I buy that dress, which I might not even wear for the next two, three years. So that's the kind of mindset shift we need to bring in ourselves, in our lives, that if we don't need something, we, don't, we should not buy it, right? We are just, because we can buy it, we're just collecting and collecting a lot of stuff for ourselves, which we don't even use. And we are not planning to use for the next five years also. So that's, that's still very basic, right? So even when we, we promote our products and we, we you know, we promote this kind of lifestyle, we tell people that first use what you have. So if you have a plastic toothbrush and you see an advertisement for a bamboo toothbrush, you do, you just don't have to just throw your plastic toothbrush and buy that bamboo toothbrush. No, you need to first completely use your plastic toothbrush because you've already bought it right first complete the life cycle right and then switch to a more eco-friendly and earth friendly alternative so the best way to do this is to just look around yourself in your house and see what is the product that is over right which you need to buy and then look for an alternative to that uh instead of just uh going on or, or on a spree and just you know on the internet and just buying things randomly even when you have an alternative for that product at your home and then there are so many things that you can, you know, easily make at your home for yourself, do a DIY, like, you know, um, the, the eco-friendly options for the Lysol and floor cleanings. And there, there are so many things, you know, I can talk endlessly about it. Like, how can you live a more sustainable lifestyle without investing money and without buying more products from the market?
0: I want to know, uh, was this something that you initially read about or how did this come, you know, just come into picture? I mean, was it because of the family, because you followed it at home or how?
1: So, see, uh, being from a middle class family, it has always uh, been, money has always been an issue, right? Even when we were in the college, it was not like you were always applied with a lot of, I mean, you were always given a huge pocket money for expenses and all of that mm-hmm. so you know it, it builds up in the family itself obviously that you have to live you have to live a life a lifestyle which is more like you know you reuse and you use things that are already available around you so for example if I want to wear a dress a new dress for a party or a function uh, I might not go ahead and buy a new dress, b- dress, but I might just look in my mom's wardrobe and see what I can recycle, right? Maybe a, a beautiful sari which she's not wearing because it's old-fashioned now. But then I can go to a tailor and take, tell him that you know I'm looking to make this dress from the sari, and it it I have done this two three times and it comes out really beautiful. So uh, I think the unavailability of a lot of a lot of money also makes you think about uh, what are the other alternatives you can use instead of just going ahead and buying a product or a, you know, or a dress or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I was always fond of skincare and when, you know, obviously didn't have a lot of money to go ahead and get those facials and everything done in the parlour. So I was always in my mum's kitchen every weekend trying to find out some DIYs they can use on my skin and because everybody wants to look, you know, in your young age too, uh, beautiful and all of that. So, you know, these are the small things that I realized that uh, that these are the things that we can do in our daily life and can actually save so much money and can also, uh, you know, save so much of plastic going into the waste out of those uh, body lotions and those face lotions and all of that. So uh, definitely, I think it it comes from the family, of course. But then as I was growing up, I realized that, you know, because of the... When I started earning, actually... I subscribe to these whole bunch of uh, subscription boxes and all of that. And, and very soon I realized that, what am I doing? I mean, all of these things, uh, do I really need the, these things? Actually, no. And that's when I decided like, you know, um, that they're, they're, we need to do something about it and uh, make a bigger impact on how can we educate and tell people and give them alternatives to all the plastic that we are generating in our daily lives.
0: That's interesting. So I've asked this to anyone who has come up with a unique idea for their business or is promoting a bigger cause. If in one line you had to state to vision and mission for one earth, what would that be?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think uh, my vision is of course to um, you know have as many um, you know, customers and as a, a lot of customers and people coming to our website shopping. You know, eco-friendly alternatives and also side by side educating them with, um, you know, how can they live a more sustainable life. But the long-term mission is of course to because you know in India it's uh, the 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 the. the topic of sustainability and sustainable living is, is, is this entire thing is at, at a very nascent stage and we as a consumer are still developing in this entire thing and there are a lot of brands who are actually misusing this entire green um, you know green thing that has come up and they're greenwashing people they are telling about their products which are you know recyclable, biodegradable but uh, that's actually not the real picture behind that product so uh, you know as consumers we need to be uh, careful on what we are shopping you know what is the product and how is it made is it is it ethical the entire process is it, is it actually sustainable is it actually eco-friendly so you know that's that's actually a mission for us to you know educate people also about all these terminologies and small little things
0: mm-hmm. how long has it been uh, since you've been running one earth
1: so we started, officially, we started One Earth in January 2020. So
0: about a year. What would you say yeah. from your experience so far and your existing customers that our understanding of uh, sustainable living looks like? I mean, you did answer it briefly, uh, but how bad are we on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, see, it actually,
1: uh, it it's actually divided among our uh, audience, you know, it it's not a straight answer that I can give here because uh the kind of people and the kind of customers that come on our platform right now, they are a little bit educated about it and they understand what exactly are they looking for and they ask the right questions even from us and from other brands also. But if you talk about the masses, but I definitely think we are we are like, you know, on a scale of two or three right now and we need to really, really work hard on this. Oh wow! Uh,
0: so when you took One Earth to the market with the whole concept of this sustainable living, what were some of the challenges that you faced?
1: Of course, when we started in January 2020, we we were hit by the pandemic. So of course, it was uh, you know um, it was kind of difficult. We could not do our export orders because we started with a B two B export company, but uh, we quickly shifted to. Uh, direct to uh, direct, direct to consumer space and but then uh, it, it was really good and I think it was a good decision because uh, sustainable living and eco-friendly products is a booming industry in India it's it, it, you know just picking up it's a very unorganized market and there's a lot and lot of potential for these kind of products in India right now.
0: Mm -hmm. So my question is sort of related to the very last sentence that you said. Uh, Sustainability by itself is like a huge umbrella, right? So how did you decide Mm -hmm. what you wanted to sell on One Earth? Uh, What was your thinking behind it? And how did you validate that idea before going to market? Also, especially because, as you said, you had to pivot your model, business model. And then there Mm -hmm. was, of course, the pandemic too. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, when we started, of course, we took ideas from the, uh, because we were a B2B export company. So, all of, most of these products were the products that were in high demand overseas. So, uh, yes, of course, the initial uh, product range came up from uh, outside India. But then, uh, as we grow up our uh, you know uh, product list we we don't make it very difficult but we try to keep it very simple we look around i personally look around myself and see what are the things that we can make out of the waste that we have like the coconut shells and the bamboo and the foil, and what which of these products are a replacement to the plastic that we have in our daily life so uh you know that's that's the very basic uh very basic on, uh, on how we, we decide on what to launch uh, as a product.
0: More like, uh, you know, what's what's readily available and then what can be used again of sorts.
1: Exactly. Because, because see, um, when we talk about sustainability and eco-friendly, we should not just talk about the product that's made out of it, but we should also think about where did the raw material come from and how much did the raw material had to travel to get to you know uh, become a final product so if there is something which is not easily available and i have to you know uh, bring that something that raw material from a far far distant area then the entire transportation and the you know uh, pollution and the carbon footprint exactly on that product it increases so at the end the the product. May look like eco-friendly and sustainable, but the entire life cycle of the product was not that eco-friendly and sustainable. So it, it's actually not very simple. But um, you know, if if we do not complicate it, you know, much yes, we uh, we, we we think of what's easily available and what is the best uh, product that we can make out of it, which can which people can easily use in their daily life.
0: Mm -hmm. so because this is all like as we discussed it's a new concept and most of us don't have a complete understanding and then there are these uh, big brands out there that cash in on the word sustainable but are not really delivering that promise when you started out what were some of the marketing strategies that you used to get people to actually understand the value of your products
1: so I think uh, it's very simple and uh, you know uh, for marketing it's it's uh the biggest thing these days is to keep it authentic keep it real uh tell people what it exactly is instead of just uh you know just covering it up with a lot of flashy words and all of that so for example a bamboo toothbrush is the toothbrush is made out of bamboo but the bristles they are made out of nylon so you know people ask us like what are the bristles made out of then we have to clearly tell them you know, this this is made out of nylon because you cannot make brush bristles natural right there there is no way you can make it natural unless you are using human hair or animal hair on it so uh, you know that's what the thing is we, we for the for the customer we have to make it very authentic and very real and very uh, you have to be open to them and tell them what the real product is and that i think that's the easiest way we can gain trust from them
0: Mm-hmm. So was it? Uh, since it's a social generation of sorts, uh, was it a lot of social media content that you did initially, or uh, did you opt for like a couple of brands that we spoke with later, uh, before this? They mentioned how they had a lot of FaceTime, but since you started in twenty twenty, I assume that was not the case. So how how did you really? Which platform did you choose?
1: So definitely, uh, since I have built two brands in the past, Box and also a skincare brand, I had. A- I had a bit of experience of what to do and what not to do, so uh, definitely social media is is really really important these days. And uh, the the uh, the the best way to do it is collaborate with similar brands, similar influencers, influencers, and also celebrities who follow you know your ideology and also um, you know are living that kind of a lifestyle that you're promoting. So it definitely helps. It uh, it has helped us. So I think that's, that's one thing that people can uh, use these days.
0: Mm-hmm. So apart from the products, right, from the just from the range, I want to know how you're taking the message of sustainable living to your customers, like through and through. For instance, uh, you mentioned how if you had to fetch the raw materials from an ex-location and mm-hmm. it was way too far off, you're technically mm-hmm. going to, you know, kind of override a lot of things on sustainable living just to get the raw material. Mm-hmm. So when, mm-hmm. let's say, I buy from One Earth, uh, how do you ensure mm-hmm. that, you know, from there to me, uh, everything that actually sustainable living stands for is still held true?
1: So uh, we uh, obviously, right now, we are still in a, in a building stage. We are creating, we are building a lot of ways uh, through which we can actually you know, save on the transportation bit of the product. So we have centers in Bangalore, M- Mumbai, and Delhi, of course. So in these, uh, you know, uh, places and wherever there, whenever there is an order, which is which whichever place it is near to that particular location, ships the product for the customer. So this saves on obviously the fuel cost. This saves on the shipping cost, and this also saves the time for us. So that this this is a kind of platform that we are trying to build, so that um, we we the product reaches to the end consumer in uh you know covering a shorter distance. So that's that's uh, one way we are trying to uh, you know reduce the carbon footprint of the product.
0: And again, based off on uh, one of the previous conversations, how big do you think the packaging of the product has, like you know, an impression on the customer when you're delivering your vision and mission?
1: Absolutely, I think this is the, this is one place where uh, most uh, brands don't think about, don't, you know. But I think uh, it is very very important to have a sustainable packaging when you are selling a sustainable product or a sustainable. Uh, concept to your customers. There's no point packing a bamboo toothbrush in a plastic container, right? It does not make sense. So uh, I understand that there are a lot of uh, you know pros and cons of using a uh, paper packaging and a uh, plastic packaging. Both have their advantages and disadvantages. But then, but then that's where we need to use our innovation and how can we make it. Uh, you know, make our packaging also very sustainable. So that's what we've been trying to do. Uh, All our packaging, date is made out of craft paper boxes and reusable uh, tube, craft paper tube boxes. So these boxes can be reused by the customers at their home. They can, you know, store their products in it. They're pretty durable. And uh, the toothbrush box is made out of paper, so these are small little things. And also the, the the packaging that we have has a worldly art on it, which is made by a worldly artisan in Mumbai. And we pay 1% of our every sale to that artisan till the time that we're using his, uh, you know, painting. So, uh, you know, these are the small little things that we've been trying to do with the brand so that, you know, when a customer holds the packaging and they look at it, they should feel like, you know, Uh, they're holding a sustainable product and not just a product, but something maybe handmade and more eco-friendly.
0: And when we have like so many distractions around us, like you rightly mentioned before, we have discounts going on, sales going on. And Mm -hmm. if not for us, sometimes we're stepping out to make purchases for somebody else, right? So how does Mm -hmm. one, you know, if I've just stepped into, let's say, trying to discover a couple of sustainable products for my day-to-day lifestyle, Mm -hmm. how do I keep myself kind of away from uh, these distractions? That's question one. And as a business, how do you constantly keep appealing to these kind of customers who are new to the concept of sustainable living and then, of course, also distracted by so many other things around them?
1: So I think uh, the first thing is, uh, as I told in the start, that when we when we decide to live a sustainable lifestyle, it is more about a mindset change instead of a lifestyle change. So um, we we need to uh, change our mindset about things, about living a minimalistic lifestyle and about uh, not buying endlessly and not buying things that we don't need. We need to buy things that we immediately need, like for example, you know, anything like if you need a cloth that you will immediately wear then then only you should buy it you should not just buy it because there's a sale going on and maybe two years down the line i might have a party and i'll go there and i'll just wear that and it keeps lying in your cupboard for next two years and then after two years you realize oh, this is no more fashionable you know the trend has changed so that's one thing that uh we need to keep constantly tell ourselves that you know let's not uh Collect waste, and the second thing is that uh, uh, so for for people who who are new to the entire sustainable concept, we have tried to make uh, uh, zero waste starter bundles on our website. So these bundles make it easy for people to you know start a low waste lifestyle without uh, getting distracted with the with so many products that are available uh, to them. So, you know, very basic things like uh, a bamboo toothbrush, a reusable straw, reusable cutlery, and then uh, makeup removing wipes, which they can reuse instead of using the cotton swabs. And, you know, a bottle, a reusable bottle, which they can just carry themselves instead of buying a water bottle every time when they go out. So I think these are these, uh, this, is a, this is a way that we've tried to make it easy for people to start this lifestyle.
0: That's actually pretty nice. So, okay, moving to the business front of things. Let's assume I firmly believe in sustainable living and I've been wanting to start something of my own. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. think that as an entrepreneur,
1: my first step should look like? Okay, so I think uh, I think the first step should definitely be on, uh, you know, uh, what exactly are we trying to do? What area of, uh, like you said, that, Sustainability is a huge umbrella, right? There's so many products, there's so many categories where uh, one can start. So one has to be clear in what exactly are they planning, you know, what they want to start with. Is it, uh, is it more of home and lifestyle? Is it more of personal care? Is it more of stationary? What exactly are they trying to create alternatives for? And then uh, one should also do a, a bit of research around these products. What I see these days is that people just uh, even when they're starting a sustainable business, a so-called sustainable business, they get carried away with a lot of products that call themselves biodegradable, eco-friendly, but they don't research about the product. That is it actually biodegradable that um, what I'm selling? So, for example, recently we came across these wheat straw toothbrushes and they say that it is made out of wheat, the waste wheat straw, right? But then, uh, you know the entire process of converting wheat straw into toothbrushes involves a lot of chemical processes and the end product is not eco-friendly it's not biodegradable right so but then people were selling it calling it eco-friendly and then customers were buying it also but what are we doing we're just creating we are we are creating the similar kind of uh, plastic toothbrush in a different form so that's that's very important for us to for us as businesses To be sure of what we are doing, what we are selling, what we are promoting, you know, what we are educating to people because our customer does not know everything, right? We need to tell them, we need to to first be sure of what we are telling them and what we're telling them is right or wrong. So that's very important, I think. Mm -hmm.
0: And because you mentioned that, you know, you should know what you're trying to sell. So you had a lot of experience under your belt. But uh, let's say, you know, this is a person who hasn't started an online store Mm -hmm. before. So should I stick to one niche, one kind of a product? Or do you think I should experiment with multiple ranges altogether and then find out what works for me?
1: So I think it depends on the kind of team you have and the kind of resources available with you. If, if you're starting small and you have limited resources and you and maybe one or two person, maybe you have a small team, then I would highly recommend you to start slow. Start with limited set of, of products that you're very sure of. And uh, once you you know have a customer base, then you should experiment with more products and expand your range. But yeah, of course, if you start, if, if your plan is to start it big and you have a lot of resources available, then I think maybe you can experiment and launch a huge range of products also. But uh, again, as I said, it is important to understand what we are selling. So we need to research before we start selling the product. We need to be sure of what we are selling. So that, that's, I think, it is very important.
0: And uh, for such a person, again, what would those five strategies be when they're taking their brand to the market? So if you had to give them like five marketing tips.
1: Okay. So I think uh, I don't know if I'm the right person to give these uh, marketing tips, but um, (laughs) I think, uh, uh, of course, your range of products, what, uh, what range of products you have, how authentic and real they are, your obviously your uh, your entire social media strategy because uh, these days social media is really important. What people are you collaborating with, and uh, you know uh, how you are you would how you are handling the entire thing. So, for example, uh, if you're collaborating with influencers, you need to be sure on what kind of influencers you're collaborating with. If your influencer in her daily life is using the regular plastic toothbrush and if she's for one second, she's promoting your bamboo toothbrush, it does not make sense because customers these days are not, uh, they're aware of all these things. So, uh, you know, uh, people we collaborate with people with, we, we choose as our influencers, we should, we should do a research about it. Like who, who are these people? Are they actually following this kind of lifestyle or are they just, um, you know, just doing it for the sake of just, you know, because you're paying them or whatever. I, I, I don't know if, uh, if this helps, but, um, you know, um, it, it's a growing process. You keep learning and uh, you have to get into the thick of things to learn. You know, it, all the strategies and everything, It, it it's different and it's very uh, individual to every brand. Something that's working for me might not work for the other brand, vice versa, I think.
0: And that totally, totally does make sense, actually. So you also mentioned during the conversation that you were running a subscription box business uh, in the same domain a while back, uh, but then you pivoted. Mm-hmm. But subscriptions have suddenly become a hot topic in e-commerce uh, e- ecosystem. So I'd like to know, when do you think is it the right time for a business to explore a subscription business model? And what are the signs of success or failure that one should you know, kind of look out for right from the beginning?
1: So I think uh, definitely subscription businesses are, uh, this this entire concept is picking up in the market. When I got into this, um, you know, this entire thing, it was way back in 2000, I think 15, when this concept was very new. And uh, the the customer was, so basically subscription makes sense when the customer is subscribing for you for at least six months or a year, right? But, uh, you know, when we started, this concept was very new. So people were not very confident in subscribing for six months or one year, right? They were just subscribing monthly. So uh, you know, um, because we were very niche, we uh, we had categorized ourselves to be really, really, you know, organic, cruelty free, also, and then you know, a lot of things. So it was kind of difficult for us to sustain at that point of time. But I think, uh, but I think now is the time to uh, explore this market because. Uh, I think uh, the the online shopping has increased, obviously, because of the pandemic. People are shopping more online rather than offline. So, giving people a monthly, you know, box, which where, you know, they know what's coming in and they don't have to buy it every month. So, I think it's a good concept. Uh, This is, I think, the right time to explore this market also. Mm
0: -hmm. So, So kind of slowly wrapping up, what's the one mistake that you've seen a lot of these D2C brands make? Because, uh, you know, like, let's face it, it's gotten very easy to get online. It's not necessary that you have an online store, you can literally start selling off from Instagram, and then eventually have an online store. But there are like a number of brands going online. But at the same time, if there are 10 brands that went online in the last one week, there are about three of them, which shut down in the next. So what are some of the mistakes that you see these newer brands making?
1: I think uh, the biggest mistake is not uh, focusing on customer experience. Uh, most of these people who sell products on uh, Instagram, they are uh, you know they don't uh, focus more on how the entire customer experience was, and uh, also because their process is not very automated. So you know they are like manually taking orders and then you know manually giving the tracking ID to the customer, and then the entire process because of all of this manual work, the the customer ends up feeling that, you know, uh, he's not being given a timely response. So I think uh, that's, I think the biggest problem that uh, these small businesses and, you know, these new businesses which are coming up. And also I feel that, uh, you know, the product quality obviously makes a lot of difference. So uh, most brands just buy products from XYZ and then sell it to their customers without, without understanding is it without understanding the quality of the product, what the customer is getting. Also because of the dropship model, I think. People don't want to maintain inventory and they think that it's an effort like model. So they they they, you know, have vendors and they whenever they get an order, they ask the vendor to ship it to their customer. But then the vendor what the vendor is sending to the customer you you're not aware of yeah right you cannot control the quality so i think that's also one reason why the customers are not very happy about the entire experience that they they've got and uh, you get only one chance right so once the customer does not like you he is you know not likely to come back to your store ever again because there are so many options available so i think customer experience has to be really really top notch you should really really care about what the customer is experiencing and how the entire process, shopping process, was for them because customer is the king actually. So I think that's very important.
0: That's a damn good tip. So lastly, Like running an e-commerce business means going through a lot of ups and downs, some industries, because we see certain trends coming up, seasonal trends. And then sometimes there's this huge controversy around topics. So, you know, certain demand for products obviously just come down. For all those listening to this podcast who have like probably just started out, plateaued, or are maybe feeling a little demotivated, what's the one tip that you would share with them? Something that keeps you going? So
1: I think it's very important to keep innovating. Uh, uh, you should not uh, just uh, think, if, if your product is selling well, you should not just sit back and think, oh, this is just now, you know, it, it just keeps selling and, and I don't have to do anything about it. I don't think that, that that's the um, that that's the case these days because somewhere out there, maybe your competitor is working really hard on creating a better product than you have. So innovation is really, really important even when your product is selling very good. So keep innovating and keep uh, because if you stop innovating, there is, there is a high. So even if we take the examples of the traditional brands like Liberty and Bata, so, you know, these were the brands that started and they were the brands that we've grown up with, right. Wearing Liberty shoes and all of that. But then now uh, I find Liberty stores in the basement of the mall, right. They're not even on the first floor or second floor. So, that's I think that's big, the biggest reason for them not in the the market right now is because they stopped innovating, right? So mm-hmm. uh, innovation is very very important. Even when you are very big, one should not think that you know like we don't have to do anything now. So that's I think uh, that that that's very important. I think.
0: That's a damn good tip too. So that's all actually I had to ask you today, Nitika. And it was lovely talking about One Earth and what you're doing and how you took your business online. Is there absolutely anything else that you would want to share with us?
1: Actually, no. I think I've uh, I've I've realized that I've shared a lot, and uh, <laughs> even I got a lot of insight about what we are doing because on a day to day basis we don't get time to just think and sit and. Uh, you know on what we're doing but it was lovely catching up with you
0: and that's it for today's episode of content kettle thanks for tuning in don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast for more such tips from the real doers